Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. This is Dave, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, everyone tuning in and trying to make your quarantine just maybe a little bit cheerier, a little bit more manageable. This is the podcast where we tell the stories of our th- city through the voices of our city. Um, talking about our city, that would be Boston, of course, but we're, we're venturing a little bit uh, south. We're venturing to um, the lovely state of Connecticut, or as Dennis Leary described it in the movie The Ref, Connecticut, the third ring of hell. No offense. No offense, Connecticans, Connectarians. Let me ask my guest. My guest is Leah Jacqueline Grushkin, who's a newly published author. We're going to talk about her book, which looks awesome. I haven't read it yet, but I'd like to. And welcome her to the show, Leah. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I wonder if you even know, what is the name, the term for a person from Connecticut? Um, <laughs> don't even, I, I would think I've stumped my her. guess would be as best as yours. Okay. I don't think we have a name for ourselves. Uh, that's well, maybe you're an author, write one. So, yeah. uh, you've written a book, which is exciting because it, it, you've already accomplished something on my bucket list and I'm like way older than you are. And congratulations on this. So the name of the book is Where It Begins, and it follows the story of a young lady or a young man. Well, it follows a couple different stories. All the characters intertwine, but the main characters are Carter Baker and Jagger Hastings. Right. And you've chosen you've chosen androgynous names just to confuse me, I think, (laughs) you know, when I get into the story of how I actually wrote this book, I guess it might make a little bit more sense. But um, the the female character, her name was was chosen specifically to be androgynous. So that actually you picked up on that. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. See, check out yeah. the brain on me. Look at that. So that's Carter, Carter Baker. Yeah, your, your character. Carter Baker. Okay. okay. Yeah. And what you actually might not have known is this book is actually set in Massachusetts. Is that so, right? Okay. Hey. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Cause, um, I, I didn't want it to be too close to home because it doesn't really feature my life in any way. All right. Um, and I knew when people read it, they would try to find, especially people that knew me, I knew they would say, Oh, this, I can see this in the book in you. And I can see, you know, your sister or your friend or your hometown. And I would say, no, it no way reflects me or how I grew up or, you know, my hometown. So that's why I picked, Massachusetts because I, you know, I know a little bit about it. I grew up in Connecticut, but I, you know, love the small, yeah, I've been there and I (laughs) love the small town um, setting that you get in a lot of Massachusetts towns. Mm -hmm. So that is why I picked it. It actually relates really well to the podcast then. (laughs) Yeah. So 
it fall, it, it's a, a young woman. And by the way, I, I think people naturally do that when you write fiction. People assume, oh, well, that's obviously based on mm-hmm. you or that. Or some people will be like, well, you obviously based that on me, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> the one time I started writing a novel, it was, it's funny because it was about a character who was, I think, about the same age as your character here. And it, I, for some reason, was picturing my younger brother. Uh, I have two younger brothers. So if they happen to be listening, it was Matt I was picturing. But I don't even know why I did that. I mean, I guess you naturally will picture some real life. Do you picture some real life person when you think about Carter? Um, not really. But when, when my family read the early draft, which um, I have two sisters, two older sisters. So when they read the draft, one of them came to me and said, Leah, I've found so many Easter eggs in your book. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, what? You know, I, I, I didn't write anything with reflecting on my own life. And she says, no, but, you know, my, my grandparents lived in Hastings, New York for a really long time. And the last name of the main character is Hastings and didn't even connect the two. But, but she was like, you know, even when you're not trying to write reflecting on your life, you're still going to have that, that underlying themes come through and and really play out but a lot of people have come to me like I said and been oh is this you know your relationship with you and your sister is this your relationship with your parents and it's it's no it's like of course some of it's going to shine through because you can only write so much of what you know and what you don't know right yeah it's there is yeah there's some things that you're going to come up with you know, maybe call it by accident or it's somewhere mm-hmm. in your subconscious or something. Yeah. And I think that's a compliment when you're writing well, people are going to read stuff into it because they assume that you're really smart and clever and everything. <laughs> but I remember my English teacher was reading an essay of someone. We had submitted essays in class for an exercise. And I remember it was about, it was supposed to be about a cycle of violence or it was, it was about how mm-hmm. since there's violence in our society, it's going to it's going to get you one time or another in your life. I think that was the assignment. It's pretty bleak when you think about it. But anyway, so the, the, this woman who was, it was my classmate had written something and she said, and this wasn't exactly what it was, but something like this. I, I gazed at the, uh, as I you know walked along the street, I gazed at the horse trotting ahead of me and eventually something bad happens to the horse. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and so the, the teacher says, you say that the horse was ahead of you. you know, that's really brilliant. You're saying, you know, in the cycle of violence, you know, that horse was just ahead of you, but you could be next. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I call bullshit. I didn't say that because <laughs> I was, you know, I was a freshman in high school. But um, and the, the to her credit, the girl said, yeah, I didn't do that intentionally. And the, the teacher said, that's OK when you're writing well. Sometimes these things fall into place. So what inspired you to write? The story. Let's start there. Actually, no, let's start someplace else, Leah. Hold on. Let's back up. I'm being, I'm being impolite. I didn't ask you, (laughs) how are you? Are you doing okay? Are you holding up all right? How are you dealing with these unprecedented times? And I say that with uh, some tongue in cheek, but let me ask you, how is your, how is your, how is your quarantine going? My quarantine has been a roller coaster in a sense of there have been very eventful times and very uneventful times. Um, when this first happened, I, I told you previously, I, I, uh, bartended my spare time. So obviously when, when restaurants got closed, my restaurant became takeout only. And I, I worked in the bar. I was brand new to this restaurant. I'd only been there a couple months. So I wasn't one of the people to stay in, which was completely understandable. Yeah. And so this was back early March when we thought we didn't know anything. And we thought this was just going to be a couple weeks and yeah. it's go back to normal. 
so I started strong. I, my, uh, my boyfriend and I just bought a house in November. So I was like, oh, I have all these projects that I didn't have time to do. So, you know, renovated a room in the basement and, you know, finished these cabinets I was, up, I was fixing up and got all this stuff done in this two week span. And then when we realized this was a lot bigger than we had thought, mm-hmm. I kind of not shut down, but really just kind of fell into this lump of playing video games all day and watching TV <laughs> and not really doing anything productive. And mm-hmm. um, in that kind of sense, that's kind of the path that my quarantine has followed. So I've had really productive days where, you know, I've done a lot of baking, I've done a lot of writing, I've done a, like done puzzles I FaceTime with my family and my friends and then there are other days where it is laying on the couch with the dog and you know hanging out with the cats and watching tv and you know bothering my boyfriend who he is still working <laughs> so it's been it's been an up and down but we are we are all grateful for our health and you know luckily it hasn't hit too close to home for us so I've got to be finding the silver lining in that. Um, recently, I'm actually... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you you mentioned um, your dog. You you need to update your bio. You did mention the cats. Your bio says you have yeah, two, two, two cats. We, we just got the... He's a six-month-old puppy. We just got him in February, so I do need to update my website. Yes, <laughs> you are right. <laughs> um, yes, outstanding. What's the dog's name? His name is Murphy, and he is a ball of energy <laughs> <laughs> the the dogs i've been saying this on the podcast the dogs are the big winners in this thing in the oh quarantine the dogs are they they don't understand why everyone is home all the time they don't understand why everyone o- always wants to take them a walk now when you used to have to fight <laughs> over who was going to take them for a walk yeah the, the, it's a dog's world right now they're going to be a little bit bummed when things go back to normal yeah Oh my God, he is going to be, he is going to have a rude awakening when this is all over. My, my cats have, have not been too happy, but the dog is over the moon. I mean, he gets me all day, every day. And especially for just having gotten him late February. So we had him for about a month before this all happened. He, he was really, we were working on getting him in that routine of, you know, Eric leaves early, mom leaves right after that. And then, you know, mom comes home, Eric comes home, that kind of thing. So he was like, he was getting into this routine of being in the crate and being out and being in the crate. And now it's like, he's got free range all day. And he's just going to go bonkers when this is done. Yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, I also note on your bio, two of your uh, favorite authors are, are uh, Charles Bukowski, who is I don't. I can't remember the last time I actually read Bukowski, but he's he's legendary, especially around here. And he yeah. has one of my favorite quotes ever. And I'm gonna murder it because I don't have it in front of me. But it's something like, "The problem with life is that intelligent people is that people without much intelligence have no doubts, and the intelligent people have all the doubts." Mm-hmm. And that that. Um, I'm reminded of that sometimes when I think of our commander in chief in Washington, you can read into that, whatever you want. But then you yeah. also say you're a fan of Chuck Klosterman, who is, who is, yes. who is um, the, the cult of Klosterman. We have to stick together for those that don't know. He's, he's an author who I think he made his bones at, mm, I was going to say slate, but I'm not sure that's right. It's like magazine. It was, a, it was a either, uh, it was either slate or, 
or maybe spin. Right, but I'm probably wrong as well. Yeah, no, that's okay. We 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 Chuck Klosterman is just fine. He doesn't need us to pump his tires. But he he was a, he was <laughs> he was a rock and roll critic for written a lot about. But he's written these books, and the cool thing about them is they're so readable, so um, easy breezy, mm-hmm. conversational, funny. And he, the first one I read was called Sex, Lies, and Cocoa Puffs, I think. And it was just a, mm-hmm. it was just a sex, series drugs of and Cocoa Puffs, sex, drugs, like and that. Cocoa yeah. Puffs. There you go. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sorry. And so it was <laughs> just a collection of irreverent essays. And the one I read was about how it was the day he discovered that Billy Joel wasn't cool. And, <laughs> and it really spoke to me because I was, I adored Billy Joel as a young man and thought he was cool as he, you know, pranced on stage with his, you know, super thin tie and sunglasses and you go back and look at some of that and you're like what a nerd Ugh. And, <laughs> and and so i sort of healed with Klosterman. have you uh you read a lot of his books Klosterman? and what do you yeah, like what do you like about him the first one i read was a while back and it was the invisible man okay and i absolutely just sometimes i'll find a book and i'll absolutely fall in love with it and then i'll buy every single book that that author wrote and just slowly make my way through them because if i like one book so much that it really kind of changes how I read it, then, you know, I've got to think that it's their other books are that way as well. So that's kind of my style when it comes to finding new authors. And that's what happened with Chuck Klosterman. That's what happened with um, Bukowski is I just read one thing of theirs and it transformed how I read a book and how I wanted to write a book. And so the Invisible Man was that book for me for with him, and, you and fi- it was just amazing. You find yourself copying their style. Uh, copying is probably a dirty word, but you find themselves. You find your writing sort of um, borrowing their styles. I mean, you you can say imitation is the greatest form of flattery in mm-hmm. that sense. Um, I love to be at their level one day. I don't think I'm there yet. I'm going to be very humble when I say that. I don't think I'm there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have. I find myself having two very distinct writing styles. One is present in this book where it's, you know, writing for young adult readers. And that's one style I found myself to have. And another one that I explored while I was in college, um, I was an English major writing minor. So I did all of my classes were reading, writing and, you know, literature. So the other one that I started to find was um, writing psychological thrillers. Um, those are the books that I find myself reading the most. Those are the books I enjoy the most. And I've always wanted to, to write like that. And so that's something that I'm experimenting with at this point. I don't think I'll produce one anytime soon, but, um, when it comes to poetry, I wish I could, I could have the mind of Bukowski. I mean, he just is beyond where I am and that definitely is life experience first and foremost you know, I, I won't be there for a while and hopefully I'll never get to that point. But I yeah. had a, uh, I had a version of the Robin Williams character, dead poet society in my high school. And I went to prep school. I went to Milton Academy. Um, I didn't board there. I wasn't really the classic uh, prep school kid, but anyway, I had, the, <laughs> but I had this professor who was the classic prep school, creative writing professor, you know, the, the uh, suit jackets with the, with the, arm what do you call them elbow pads El- the those elbow silly pads. those yeah, yeah those silly elbow pads and he he literally had the the like the kennedy like uh glasses and actually kennedy didn't wear glasses well in every other regard he mm-hmm. modeled himself after kennedy like he smoked a pipe and he just and he talked with that yankee accent and um but he was just great and so that the things you know when we talk about copying people's style sometimes you know he always used to say as many creative writing teachers would say is is 
show don't tell right so mm-hmm. in other words mm-hmm. you can write a lovely poem about you know the the you know sun setting on narragansett bay or whatever and you describe what happens and then but the thing you don't say is it was a lovely scene that was a perfect conclusion to the day like don't say that because mm-hmm. because you're you're showing us you, you've showed us and the viewer the the reader can pick that up i wrote a, a poem about homesick about a, a kid being homesick at summer camp and it was terrible and i knew it was terrible mm-hmm. but i had to turn something in and so he we were having like a one-on-one session and he turned the, the paper over and he wrote um he just started writing and it took him about se- all of seven minutes and he wrote i remember the day when i couldn't find my pillow and i was assigned the last bunk in the last bed in the bunk. I remember Jimmy Morrissey lighting matches and saying, Hey, you'll get used to me. I remember, um, you know, Philip Johnston, um, stealing my baseball hat and then lying about it or something like that. There were all these wonderful like details and you could picture yourself in this bunk. And he did that in seven minutes. And, and so it's, uh, to me, that's what the fun, of writing is, is, is if you can, if you love reading like you do and you, you love, you know, following certain authors, it's, it's, it's anything, but, you know, uh, plagiarism, it's, it's like you say, it's, it's flattery and it makes you a better writer. Um, Mm -hmm. how would you describe your style, your writing style? Like if we were to start, if I were to start reading, like what would jump out? It's, I, I try to bring you into the character's head. And when I, when I first started writing this book, each chapter was a different point of view. So you get a bounce back from, you get Carter's point of view, you get Jagger's point of view. Sometimes you're getting a sibling or a friend. So each one, it's not told by a third party narrative. It's told from that character's perspective. And so it bounces between them. And so, you know, first chapter starts with Carter waking up and you're getting her morning routine. So my style is kind of, at least my goal within my writing style is to bring the reader into the life of the character so that they're, they not only feel like they're there, but they feel like they're experiencing what these characters are experiencing. So, and that's so, kind of my goal with that. So you go, so each chapter, what, from one chapter to the next, we, we switch speakers. We switch, switch voices. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. How many different people get to talk? <laughs> Uh, let's see. I have, I have my notebook in front of me. I take notes on everything. Or, or it, you know, it, roughly. Yeah. It, it bounces mainly between the two main characters, but right. you get, you know, siblings, you get friends. So probably like five or six different voices. And then this is the first book in an eventual series. So as the book, as the series progress, you're, you're getting to know each person more and you're getting to follow their own individual storylines as well as this main intertwining between Carter and Jagger. So Jagger's a great name for a character, <laughs> by the you. way. I, yeah. Um, but so are, do the characters, so chapter one, say hypothetically, and I promise I'll read it, Leah. I will. I got plenty. <laughs> I will send you a copy happily. I, no, let me buy one. I want to support, <laughs> I want to support, I want to support local Thank authors. You. So I will buy one. Um, by the way, you go go to ljgbooks.com and you'll learn all yeah. about Leah and you can buy a book. Is that the best place to find the book or do you want people to go to Amazon or what should they do? Um, I would love people to buy from my website because I do send out um, personalized signed copies. I, and I also have I have some stickers and fun things that I can send out as well. 
Um, that's what I would suggest right now because Amazon obviously is only sending out essential products right now. So you might not get it in a reasonable amount of time. However, I am also available on barnesandnoble.com. Um, my publisher, Dorrance Publishing, they also sell my book. Um, but Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, Dorrance, and then my website has all of those links as well. So if you want to see the options for purchasing, you can go to the ljgbooks.com and you'll see all the different options. If you prefer to read on a Kindle or electronic device, I know you can download it on Amazon. Right. So that is another option as well. But all that's listed on my website. Audiobook yet or not yet? Um, not yet. Oh, okay. Not yet. All right, well, <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to hear me reading my book. You know, I, I, I do some audiobooks here and there, but I think it's weird. I don't know what the right answer is. A lot of authors will actually read their book and then a lot won't. A lot will say, mm -hmm. forget my voice. I'm going to hire some <laughs> distinguished British person or something. I think I would like yeah. to read my book once I get around to writing it. I've been working on it for about 40 <laughs> years now. Um, so, but um, again, uh, LJG Books, I want to make sure I get that right. LJGbooks.com is uh, where you find the book. So you mentioned, you know, chapter one is, and I'm making this up. This isn't actually how it is, but chapter one <laughs> is, is Carter. Wait, is that your character's name? Carter? Yeah. Carter. Carter yeah. yeah. And then chapter two, uh, Jagger is speaking. Do they, will they talk about the same events and, and yeah. have different versions of the same story? So it, you know, the story is about Carter and Jagger. So it's not really like, uh, Carter, this is how Carter experienced it. This is how Jagger experienced it. It's their lives and how they intertwine. And that's the biggest theme throughout the book. So, you know, it's, it's the, the first couple chapters is them actually meeting. And so you get, you get Carter's perspective of them meeting, and then you get Jagger's perspective of the afterwards of them. And so you're not kind of having this repetition of the same event from two different per perspectives but you're getting what's going on in their respective minds in regards to that, that event. Right. Yeah. So have you seen the T of course, everything relates back to TV for me because I'm shallow and superficial. <laughs> I don't read as much as I should, but have you seen the, the TV show, the affair? Have you ever seen that? I have not. That, oh, that it's my list. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's sometimes great usually good. It's worth watching, but it's, but it follows each episode will have, I think two segments and basically you see things from one person's point of view and then it switches and you see some, see it from someone else's point of view. Mm -hmm. And at first I was a little confused by it, but, but, mm -hmm. but it's not like you see complete same events because What's interesting about it is, and maybe this is where you, you, you the, the sort of sentiment of your book is, um, you know, we're, as people, we're together, we used to be together before the quarantine mm -hmm. thing started, but, but, and yet our, our each one of our individual stories is going to be a lot of unshared stuff with other mm -hmm. people. It's not, so you get two main characters in a book. It's not like they're going to spend every waking hour together. So it, like in this show, if, if, um, the affair that you're watching and you're wondering, here's the lead character, this dude who's a divorced dude who's kind of, um, you know, a very imperfect character, put it that way. And you forget, is this being told from his point of view and her point of view? And then they'll walk outside and back for a smoke and they're alone. And you're like, okay, it's got to be this person now because mm -hmm. <laughs> now. And so that's kind of the way life is. And it's weird. 
Um, my friend and I used to have this concept, which if nothing else, maybe you'll get a chuckle out of. We, my college roommate, Andy Bassick, who lives in Connecticut, by the way, shout out Andy. Yes. If you yell out your window, he might hear you. He's in West Hartford, not that far. So he, so we used to have this gag where we'd be sitting at a pizza place and the waiter would come over and go, what do you guys, what do you guys want? Uh, you know, large pepperoni, couple beers. Okay. He'd walk away and I'd look at Andy and I'd go, if life is a movie and that dude is the lead character in the movie, we we are a bit player we are just the guys that he took mm-hmm. our order for in that like you know seven seconds and we always used to get a kick out of that and then we then i'd say well just in case it is the life is about him maybe we should like get to know him a little bit better or something but um i don't know if that's if that's one of the inspirations of your book but but tell me um this uh why a series i guess why is why do you have bigger and better plans for Carter? So that's actually how the book and getting published came to be. Basically, I have always loved reading and writing ever since I was a little kid. I obviously, you know, played with friends, watch TV, whatever, but I was an avid reader and writer. If I got into a book, I'd read it in a day. And I, you know, would write constantly and I would create characters and stories and just create these whole worlds for these characters. And I kept everything on a flash drive because, you know, I was the youngest of three kids. I would work on hand-me-down laptops. Whoever would let me use their computer, I would use it. And so I kept everything on a flash drive. And when I went off to college, I, you know, you're moving, you, you don't know where everything is. I lost the flash drive and, you know, you don't think about it. So senior year, I moved into my own apartment and obviously took everything from my parents' house, brought it to my apartment. And it was the first time all of my belongings had been in one place at once. And I found this flash drive. Oh my God. After four (laughs) years, because I I had lost it maybe like junior, senior year of high school. And so after four years, I found it and I, and I plugged it into my computer and I had files of, of, stories that I hadn't seen in years. And it was like finding these old friends. It was, it was really like a, I get goosebumps thinking about it because it was such a special moment finding these stories. And this storyline in particular featuring Carter and Jagger, I had, I'm not even exaggerating. I had hundreds of pages, single spaced, unedited, just content about these characters. These two characters. These two characters, hundreds of pages of their story that I had just created. And it went from, the first book in them is them meeting in high school. It, it went, you know, I don't want to ruin anything, but it went as far as them into adulthood. Mm. And I just had this story and I thought, you know what? A lot, my, my senior year of college was mostly um, like, uh, what's the word? They were seminar classes. So it was three hour classes that met once a week and it was all writing based. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these classes, I was able to develop parts of this story. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to read through every single page. I'm going to edit this with my four years of new experience. And I'm going to see what it can become. And it took me about all of my senior year. But once it was done, I had actually broken it up into chapters. And then from chapters, I'd broken it up into books. And I had five books of raw material. Wow. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are Carter and Jagger romantically involved or would that give everything away? They are. They are. I mean, it's a a young adult book. That's kind of a given. I figure. Um, I figure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it it does go beyond that, though. There is obviously that's the 
center focal point of their story, but it goes so much beyond that. There's, there's, you know, personal issues, family struggles, issues with friends, and it just, it, it develops so much more beyond that. The first book does set the stage for the series. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't really get everything you want from the first book. And I do that on purpose because Mm -hmm. you, you want people to want more. And I knew this was going to be a series. So I knew I would want my readers to say, you, you touched on this and I wanted more from it. And I wanted to just pull it out of you. And it's like, you have to read the next book to, to get more. Mm. But once I had these, it was about five, five books of, of when I say raw material, it was very raw and needed a lot of editing. I was like, okay, you know what? Focus on the first one. And I spent about a year focusing on this first book and just going back and forth with, I had um, a roommate at the time who was also an English major and she was the one person I bounced it off. And when I tell you she was the first person to ever read my writing, you know, mm-hmm. she was the first person to ever read. And it was a very personal experience for me. But um, she she helped me bounce my ideas and develop the story and, you know, expand here, take away here, show, not tell, which I always have my English teachers from, from you know, high school and college echoing in the back of my head, show, don't tell, show, don't tell. It's the best advice. Uh, it really is the best it, advice. It, it really is. And, and you, you have to have that in your mind constantly because you will just start to go, he said this, she said that. You have to, you have to show it, not tell it. Right, right. But um, I, I, I had this book and it was, you know, about 20 chapters. I think once it's all said and done is just under 250 pages. Um, and it, it was complete. And so I, I went out and found, I reached out to a couple different small publishers found one that that focused on on new and upcoming authors and although I wish I did a lot more research I went with them and you know that was a whole of that was a two-year process from signing mm. my contract to getting the book out a little over two years so this late December of last year I got my first printed copy of my book congratulations and, and it was a roller coaster of an experience. You I got your your first copy of the published book. I have my, and then, my first copy of my published book. I, I have the, it right here. And the dog didn't eat it yet. The dog did not eat okay, it yet. Good. The dog does not go in the office. <laughs> okay. the, the dog does not go anywhere near the book. Okay. <laughs> um, no, he is he is not allowed. Makes sense. Um, yeah, but early December or late December, whatever it was, I got my first copy in January. I just started on my own, plugging it everywhere. I created my website with the help of my sister and father who do like marketing and social media. And I'm very grateful that I have that that system to go to. And they helped me build my website. And, um, you know, my dad set me up with Ed Katz, who I know you interviewed earlier yes. this, this recently. Yeah, he- Our mutual friend, yes. Was, Yes. Yeah. So he helped me get, you know, in touch with some people and just working my own personal network and connections. And, um, I got my Facebook set up. I turned my Instagram into more of, um, a public Instagram for, for my life and who I am as a person. Cause that reflects on who I am as an author. And I really just started plugging this myself and, pu- uh, promoting it myself and, Obviously, I had the publisher who printed them, but I have been doing all of the promotion and getting it out there. And that has been my main goal is just 
you know, getting my book out there and getting people interested. And it has so far been really good. The, the pandemic has put a bit of a damper on it. I will not lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I had a lot of fingers in a lot of different pots and those kind of went poof when yeah. this all happened. It, it, it happens. And yeah. this, so I found this thing can cut both ways. Like we continue to produce podcasts because we, we've been doing remote podcasts for years anyway. So it kind of doesn't change things for us. But with a lot of things in business, some people's mentality is, well, this is the perfect time to do X, Y, Z. But then unfortunately, a lot mm-hmm. of people, their, their reaction to this has just been, let's put everything on hold. Like, let's not have that mm-hmm. meeting. Let's, let's readdress when things are back to normal. It's like, well, mm, you might not want to wait, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah. even during a pandemic, we should listen to the great prophet Ferris Bueller, who said, life moves pretty quickly. If you don't look, mm-hmm. stop and look around once in a while. Yeah, I just saw that movie. I don't know why for the, for the 100th <laughs> time. Um, let's step away for just one sec here. And you have a few more minutes, Leah, to spend with us. Yeah. Okay. We're a little up against the clock, but we're going to play an installment of good stuff where we give you some tips, some recommendations, something good you can do to pass the time during this, um, this thing, you know, this thing, this thing that we wake (laughs) up and we talk about all day long. And it's the only thing on everybody else's mind. (sighs) I'm okay. Really? And I want to, it's fine. What did, what did we talk about before the, (laughs) yeah. Remember when pandemic, no one knows it's fine. It, it is it is very true that if you see a, a meme or social media posting that says something like, remember when we used to fight about whether it was okay to kneel during the national anthem at football games? Like, God, does that seem like a long time ago? Like, who gives a crap about that now? Anyway, um, I do want to tell you briefly what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. Would you like your own podcast? Now is the opportune time to do it. I can tell you, folks, that we will send you a USB microphone, a quality one, not one of the crappy ones, one of the good ones. We'll send you that on the house so you can start doing your podcast. If you make an agreement with us so that we can produce it for you remotely, we do everything, the the intro music, the outro music, make you sound like a real pro. You could be the next big podcast star. And by the way, if you'd like to be a guest on this show, the Boston Podcast, that, my friends, is on the house, especially for business owners, entrepreneurs, people in the service industry, or wonderful new authors like Leah. I say new author, newly published author. She's been writing since she popped out of the womb, folks. So let's look. <laughs> and uh, if you like Basically. to, right, if you want to be a guest on this show, again, that's on the house. David at pod617.com is the email address you should use. But for all other stuff, go to pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. All right, let's play a little uh, segment we like to call good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Well, Leah, you're the creative one. I'm going to let you go first. So something that has brightened your days a little bit during this quarantine, what can you recommend to our listeners? Really anything. Um, I am going to recommend something close to my heart, which is reading. And not saying it has to be my book, although I would love if anyone (laughs) and everyone would read it. But we will never have, hopefully never have another time like this where, you know, we just have all this free time and nothing to do with it. And I know everyone always says, Oh, I wish I had time to read that book, read that book. Yep. You know, books are a beautiful thing and they can take you out of the headspace we are all in, which is not a great one right now. And they can transport you into a different world. And that is a beautiful thing that books do and any type of book, no matter what type of 
whether it's poetry, young adult, science fiction, thriller, you know, whatever it is, just pick up a book and read it. Anything great that you, anything you've great, anything great that you have read recently besides um, besides my book, you know, I read a book. There are two books that I'm going to recommend. They're very different style books. One is called the Nix N I X. And I can't remember who wrote it. But that's okay. I, that, that's a, yeah. that people people can find yeah. that. The, the yeah. Knicks and then the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. So two very different style books. One is a little bit political and psychological, and a lot of different things going on. And the other one is one hundred percent like a not sci-fi fully, but you know, mystical in a sense. Yeah. Uh, two very different books, both captivating in their own ways. They will definitely get you out of your own mind and just transport you to these two very different worlds. And they are very well written, very well, well done. And I highly recommend them. Um, I'm also going to plug my website again. Something I'm going to start doing is called Leah's library where Mm. books that I've read that I really enjoyed, I will be writing about them and giving, you know, just recommendations, all different style books. So hopefully that will be coming soon. And that will be on my website, which is ljgbooks.com. So that will be awesome. Leah's library. Yeah. I love it. By the way, to close a loop that we opened earlier, a person from the state of Connecticut is known as a Connecticuter. Oh my God, that's terrible! That's, but it, but but I'm that's the worst. I know, but I'm reading from the website of the state of Connecticut. People who live in Connecticut are called Connecticut. I can't even say it. Connecticuters. In 1702, Cotton Mather referred to Connecticuters as as Connecticutonians. But um, that didn't stick, I guess. Now you could also call yourself a nutmegger and nutmegger, which is better. But it's a, but that's you just know, that's just a nickname. I, I thought we were the acorn state for the longest time, but we're, <laughs> we're the we're the nutmeg state. Yeah. Which you know, Connecticut, I I love it. You love you love to hate it. Is <laughs> is the Connecticut way, and right. that's just that's that's our hometown pride is you love to hate it. And that brings us all together. You know, <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was Boston's because we, we're, we're the bitter ones up here, but I guess what is lurking in there is, is, is it that Connecticut, I mean the, the knock on Connecticut, if you want to make fun of it is it's just, there's not too much that distinguishes it. It's, you know, it's the forgotten middle child between Massachusetts and New York. Right. It's, it's not only the forgotten middle child. It's like, that's what Connecticut is. We are, we are just, you know, we're, we're, you, you have to live here to know it's just, it's just a state. Yeah. We are a state of a state. (laughs) Well, you got nutmeg going for you, which is delicious, which tastes a lot better than an acorn, by the way. And, and, and I'd say you're definitely more distinguishable or, or unique than Delaware. That's probably the most faceless uh, state. Sorry, Delawareans. Ooh, I wonder if it's Delawareans or Delawareites. It doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) I will uh, quickly recommend Leah's the author here. So I'm glad you recommended books to bring a little culture to this podcast. I will of course recommend a TV show and, there's a show that uh, my cousin Mikey just told me about just started watching. It's one of these like uh, crime drama, drug drama th- things. I don't know. I'm going to play the trailer. It's on Amazon prime. It's called zero zero zero. Let's listen to a little bit of the trailer here. You know why we're not going to lose money on this? Because what we do keeps the world's economy afloat. Don't ever forget that. Uh, so I'll translate. To feed all our people, we need a lot of money. He's talking in Italian. There are subtitles. 
Oh, the whole thing's in Italian for crying out loud. <laughs> this is why you need to do a little bit of podcast prep. Anyway, we have people firing guns. We have a, an important drug deal going down. And yes, you're going to have to put up with uh, subtitles if you watch this show, because they're often talking in either Spanish or Italian. But um, that initial voice you heard, at least there was one English-speaking uh, person there, was uh, Gabriel Byrne. So you'll remember him from Usual Suspects and a bunch of other stuff. And this this is actually, it's it's. I'm surprised, like, I hadn't heard of this before. It's very, like keenly produced it's very slickly produced uh, i think just one season is up so far but it seems like they have ambitions it's it's um a layered tale uh of some terrible drug people and some noble people and military and law enforcement and if you're into that sort of stuff go for it now i'm I, this is the the disclaimer is it's a little complicated i i tend to th- i i am ivy league educated i don't tend to brag yeah. about that but i find it weird when i can't follow a story or maybe i've just gotten slow in my older years but stick with it zero 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 that gets the thumbs up from dave so uh leah and of course we must remind people where to buy your book leah it is once again for the fourth time but you deserve it uh ljgbooks.com uh, and the name of the book is where it begins so yeah. and uh unfortunately though leah this is where it ends because all good things must come to an end <laughs> and you don't have to go home but you can't stay here we can't even say that anymore You've worked at a bar. Used to say, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Actually, you do have to go home because it's the only thing we do. Um, Leah, you stay I hope, home. Yeah, stay home. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to stay. You do have to stay home. Um, did you have fun, Leah? I did. Yes. I really did. This well, was definitely a great experience. Once again, go to her website. That she, You can still get a signed copy of the book. I'm going to do that. So please... Put, please uh, really pump it up and say something like to my lifelong friend Dave, to me, Leah, if you don't mind. Oh, I'll, I'll write you the best inscription. <laughs> put my parents' book to shame. All right. We'll have that <laughs> to look forward to. Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Once again, if you want to be on this show, recommend a friend, particularly a business owner who might need a little help keeping the word out there about what they do. Email me, david at pod617.com. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com, the website, and uh, all kinds of bells and whistles and things for you to try out there. And we have some deals running, which is cool. On behalf of Leah Jacqueline Grushkin, the wonderful new author and my new best friend, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. Hang in there. It's almost over. Or is it?